Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to Third's 2020 Third Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. Thank you. I would now like to hand the conference over to your host, Ms. Kim McEachern, Director of Investor Relations. Ma'am, the floor is yours. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's call to discuss DIRT's third quarter 2020 results. Joining me on the call are DIRT's Chief Executive Officer, Kevin O'Meara, and Chief Financial Officer, Jeff Krause. Management's prepared remarks today are accompanied by presentation slides. To access the slides, please view them from the webpage of this webcast or go to the Investors section of DIRT's website. The earnings press release that was issued yesterday afternoon can also be found on our website. Today's call will include forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable Canadian and United States securities law. These statements are based on the company's current intent, expectations, and projections. They are not guarantees of future performance. In addition, this call will include references to non-GAAP results, excluding special items, Please reference our Form 10-Q as filed on November 4, 2020 with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, and other reports and filings with the SEC for information regarding forward-looking statements and reconciliations of non-GAAP results to GAAP results. I will also remind you that this webcast is being recorded and a replay will be available today at approximately 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I now would like to turn the call over to Kevin. Thank you, Kim, and thank you to everyone joining us today. Starting on slide four, it is a challenging time in commercial construction as the industry works to adjust to the ongoing impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we continue to see volatility around the timing of projects in our pipeline. Regardless, our $46.2 million in revenue in the third quarter was slightly higher than both the first and second quarters of the year. We delivered modestly positive adjusted EBITDA, driven by adjusted gross profit that benefited from our decision earlier this year to right-size our factory labor. Our $51 million cash balance at quarter end was higher than at the end of both the first and second quarters of the year. Healthcare represented 36% of total product and transportation revenue this quarter as we delivered three large healthcare projects. As a reminder, we define a large project as a sale generating over $2 million to any one end user. One of the projects was with an existing strategic account and the second was for the delivery of acute care rooms for use in a prefabricated temporary hospital, an opportunity arising from the current pandemic and our healthcare rapid response initiative in the spring. Further demonstrating our capabilities to innovate and execute rapidly on COVID-19 driven projects, we recently developed four freestanding kiosks for COVID-19 testing and vaccinations. We are currently marketing these to healthcare organizations, retailers, educational institutions, and large employers. These standalone structures, called Constructed Clinical Enclosures, were developed in partnership with a leading healthcare innovation company and facilitate direct contact with physical separation between healthcare professionals and patients during examinations and treatments. 
They're available in 14 days of order if assembled on site. While we're seeing opportunities in healthcare, we remain cautious on our short-term outlook. The contraction in commercial construction is having a prolonged negative impact on demand with more and more projects being delayed or reconsidered. We continue to believe the long-term impacts of the pandemic have the potential to be positive for our business by accelerating the shift to prefabricated construction, but we've yet to see a significant increase in such projects. We have also yet to see meaningful orders from remodeling projects in preparation for people to reoccupy their spaces. October average daily order entry was consistent with the first three quarters of the year. However, in the absence of significant traction on short lead time projects, we are anticipating lower volume as we move into the final two months of 2020 and early 2021. Despite these challenges, we remain focused on financial management and moving toward, forward with the key elements of our strategic plan and our goal to effectively drive market share growth. Turning to slide five, it has now been one year since we presented our strategic plan to investors, and I think it's appropriate today to reflect on the progress we've made this year in addition to reporting on this quarter's accomplishments. We believe the initiatives we've undertaken, particularly in sales and marketing, were necessary to realize the full potential of our unique business model and thereby achieving sustainable, profitable growth and resulting stakeholder value. As we previously discussed, we've adjusted the implementation of our strategic plan to reduce the cost in light of the uncertainty of the COVID-19 pandemic while capturing the bulk of the intended benefits. Starting with commercial execution, in the last 12 months, we've hired 36 new people into the commercial organization compared to the over 50 contemplated by our pre-pandemic strategic plan. We've attracted professionals with proven track records who have made an immediate impact on our organization. We've structured the commercial team into five areas, specifically marketing, sales, client experience, partner success, and commercial operations, with individuals in place to lead each area. Reviewing these five areas in turn, first it was imperative that we create a strategic marketing function. Dedicated resources deployed to increase brand awareness supported by a clear value proposition, a consistent dirt story, and lead generation programs specifically targeted key customer segments are critical to supporting a successful sales function. We hired a vice president of strategic marketing, added six people to the team, and in July launched our first ever strategic marketing campaign called Make Space for Possibilities. Initial responses exceeded our expectations, allowing us to refine a targeted audience for re-engagement whom we can continue to nurture both digitally and through our sales team. For the first time in DIRT's history, lead generation from a strategic marketing campaign and the website are being tracked through a CRM system and vetted by a lead development team for follow-up by our sales force and distribution partners. The next phase of the campaign will include a thought leadership piece featuring influential industry leaders, including our new board member, Michael Ford, who heads real estate and security globally for Microsoft. This piece will explore the future of space, its impact on people, and how that influences the decisions businesses make about their interiors. We believe the powerful network of advocates for prefabricated construction we have assembled builds on our brand eminence and puts us at the forefront of industry thinking. Through our strategic marketing function, we've also identified influencers in the construction process that have been historically overlooked by DIRT. We're developing communication strategies and tools to increase our engagement with general contractors, architects, and designers, all important decision makers who should be hearing our story directly and consistently. Turning next to sales, in addition to adding regional directors to manage and develop the core sales team, we identified strategic accounts as an important source of future growth. 
I'm pleased to say that the number of conversations underway with potential clients, as well as existing clients who are candidates to be served as strategic accounts, is higher now than ever. We have also made great strides structurally in equipping the organization to win this highly competitive business. We hired a director of strategic accounts and enterprise sales with over 30 years of experience and have added three people to this team. They've generated a qualified list of end users that we are actively targeting. Turning to slide six, in the face of COVID-19 travel restrictions, our enhanced client experience team demonstrated our commitment to innovation across every aspect of our business, creating a virtual client tour that, we believe, maintains the effectiveness of the many in-person tours we hosted pre-pandemic. They're also broadened that virtual approach to include comprehensive employee and partner onboarding programs. I expect these tools, while created out of adversity, to become standard offerings for DERF. Our distribution partner network is critical to our success, and we've invested heavily to improve support and engagement. In addition to our lead generation activities, we now have seven people dedicated to our partner success team. Our partner portal will launch following the second phase of our CRM system rollout. We are designing a program to ensure we support and reward all partners for continued growth of their dirt business. We've helped five of our existing partners expand into new territories and are onboarding eight new partners this year. Finally, we established a vendor financing program in partnership with a major North American financial institution to make financing easier and more straightforward for our distribution partners and clients without dirt incurring any credit exposure. In commercial operations, we have strengthened our internal analytical and forecasting capabilities and are developing tools to equip our sales teams and distribution partners to more effectively execute. As part of the second phase of our CRM system implementation, we plan to fully integrate company-wide lead tracking capabilities to maximize our sales effectiveness. While this is a basic building block of a sales organization, it is a new capability for DERP. We've developed our total cost of ownership tool, which empowers our sales force to concisely communicate the dirt cost on day one and over time compared to conventional construction and addresses the key challenge in our sales process. And lastly, we're in the process of migrating from 2,700 pieces of sales collateral to a curated set of 30 types of tools to support our core offering and market segments. Turning to manufacturing operations on slide seven, I am very pleased to report that the third quarter represented our first recordable incident-free quarter. Implementing a rigorous safety culture has been a top priority, and I'm immensely proud of everyone who has worked so diligently to make Dirt a safe place to work. The ongoing work of our operations team to improve our factories to help mitigate pressure on our gross margins this quarter, despite negative fixed cost leverage compared to the third quarter of 2019. Over the past 12 months, we appointed leaders in both safety and quality, established an operational team to implement a variety of lean manufacturing tools, and have made step change improvements across all aspects of our operations. In addition to safety, we have made sustainable process improvements, balanced capacity and demand, and driven cost reductions from enhanced material and labor efficiencies. We're moving forward with our new South Carolina tile plant, which, with its significant increase in automation, should deliver even greater improvements in labor and material efficiency. Turning to innovation on slide eight, our product development team has been integral in developing COVID-19 related solutions on exceptionally tight timeframes and under the immense uncertainty of the pandemic. Our Inspire and Reflect Wall offerings were brought to market under a newly formalized new product introduction process that includes sales training and supporting marketing materials. I would also like to highlight the tremendous accomplishments of our ICE team who in October introduced our most significant software release to date offering enhanced virtual reality and broader accessibility through Android and Windows platforms. 
All of the changes I've just articulated would be a major accomplishment in a normal environment, much less during a once a century global pandemic and the enormous personal, financial, and operational uncertainty it brought. The reason we've been able to do this comes down to one word, people. When I joined DIRT just over two years ago, I quickly realized I had the honor to be working with the best, most passionate group of people I've ever worked with over my entire 30 plus year business career. We've been able to augment this fabulous group with equally talented, passionate people who quickly saw our incredible business model and appreciate our unique company. I look forward to aggressively attacking the opportunities and challenges ahead of us with this amazing group of people. I'd now like to turn the call over to Jeff to review the financials. Thank you, Kevin. Before turning to the quarterly results, I'd like to quickly go over some points from a liquidity standpoint on slide nine. As we have discussed in the previous two quarters, early in 2020, we undertook a fulsome review of our credit facilities. During the third quarter, our RBC credit facility remained undrawn with approximately 11.6 million of availability subject to a covenant holiday, which allows us to draw on the facility to the end of the fourth quarter. We have signed an indicative term sheet to convert this existing cash flow based facility to an asset backed loan facility with completion of definitive documentation expected in the fourth quarter. In the third quarter, we drew three and a half million of our previously disclosed U.S. equipment leasing facility to fund equipment purchases for the South Carolina plant, with further draws expected upon receipt of the remaining pieces of major equipment, likely in early 2021. In the third quarter, we qualified for an additional 4.5 million of Canadian emergency wage subsidies from the Canadian government, on top of the 4.3 million recognized in the second quarter. Of these 8.8 .8 million of subsidies, we have already received 6.1 million and expect to receive an additional $2.7 million in the fourth quarter. In the September 2020 throne speech, the Canadian minority government announced its intentions to extend this program to the summer of 2021, but no legislation has been passed to date. We intend, you to, intend to continue applying for such subsidies if applicable. Our working capital management focus also continued in the third quarter with no reportable disruptions or delays in accounts receivable collections and with day sales outstanding, net of deposits continuing to run at under 30 days. As a result, we finished the third quarter with cash balances of 50.7 million, an increase from the 44.6 million at June 30th. Our net working capital at September 30th was 56.7 million compared to 52.2 million at June 30th and our current ratio remains very healthy at 2.6 times. Now, let's turn to the third quarter results beginning on slide 10. Revenue for the third quarter was 46.2 million, a decline of 29% from the 2019 quarter, but up marginally from both the first and second quarters. As Kevin said, the pandemic has had severe impacts on commercial construction activity levels and decision-making behavior amongst users. In the context of an ongoing spike in COVID-19 infections, we are finding it to be increasingly difficult to quantify the effect that this is having on customer decision-making. Project size, design, and timing are all impacted. On slide 11, Adjusted gross profit was 39.3% of revenue, a decline from 41.8% for the comparable period of 2019. 
This decrease is primarily the impact of fixed costs on lower revenue. This negative leverage, however, has been partially offset by the labor force reductions we made earlier in the year, combined with the continued progress to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of our manufacturing processes. During the quarter, we also reduced a warranty provision related to timber, as previously discussed, by $0.5 million. Turning to the breakdown of operating expenses on slide 12, similar to last quarter, I would specifically call out the drop in sales and marketing expense during Q3. This decrease reflects lower commission expense on decreased revenue and continued attention to cost discipline. We also continue to record materially lower travel, meals, and entertainment expense as a result of COVID-19. It is reasonable to assume that when the pandemic and associated restrictions ease, we will see an increase from current levels. General and administrative expenses similarly benefited from lower travel and entertainment, as well as reduced building operating expenses, reflecting the work-from-home status of most of our head office employees. Looking at slide 13, adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA margin for the quarter decreased to 0.9 million and 1.8% respectively, compared to 7.9 million and 12% respectively for the 2019 period. The reduction reflects a $9.1 million decrease in adjusted gross profit and a 0.4 million of increased professional fees, partially offset by the reduced commission on lower revenue and decreased expenses I already mentioned. I would note that this quarter's adjusted EBITDA includes the 0.5 million timber provision reversal. Like Q2, adjusted EBITDA excludes the Canadian emergency wage subsidy of $4.5 million. On slide 14, net loss for the quarter was 2.1 million or negative negative two cents per share compared to net income of 5.8 million or seven cents per share for the third quarter of 2019. The decrease was a result of changes in gross profit and operating expenses as I have discussed, a $0.7 million increase in foreign exchange loss and a $1.4 million increase in income tax expense, partially offset by $4.5 million in government subsidies. During the third quarter, we recorded a $3.1 million valuation allowance against our deferred income tax assets, reflecting the significant uncertainty and decline in our Canadian entity's sales and profitability caused by the pandemic. Finally, let's touch on our outlook on slide 15. As Kevin mentioned, our average daily order entry levels for October has been consistent with what we've seen for 2020 thus far. However, we are seeing indications of softness in our core business for the balance of the year, with such impacts yet to be offset by COVID-19 opportunities or our newly strengthened commercial capabilities. That said, we will continue to actively manage our costs in the same manner as we have in the past two quarters, and will continue to execute our strategic plan. As you know, we have already deprioritized some of our sales and marketing hiring and selected less costly alternatives for some sales tools. The substantial progress within our commercial organization, the improvements within our manufacturing operations, and our solid balance sheets can support operations at current levels. We continue to actively monitor the situation and remain ready to take action should business conditions deteriorate. 
We also expect to begin to realize positive incomes from our strategic plan implementation. Operator, we would now like to open the call for questions. Thank you, sir. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star one to ask a question. If you would like to withdraw your question, you can press the pound key. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question will come from the line of Rupert Merer from National Bank. Your line is now live. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning, everyone. Morning, Rupert. Morning, Rupert. So you're seeing some headwinds from, from COVID, but you have been investing in your, your sales force and your processes. I, I wonder, can you give us some examples of, of progress that you're seeing with your improved CRM and, and, your, uh, and your new sales staff and sales processes? Probably the single biggest uh, indicator is our Make Space campaign and the leads that it generated where literally we know the, the exact number of leads. Um, they fed through the CRM system. They were distributed to the appropriate reps, vetted to make sure that they were qualified leads. That's probably the single biggest or single e easiest embodiment of um, of what we've been able to accomplish because it involves a marketing campaign that has never been done before. It involves marketing and then it translates into sales and sales leads that then get passed to our reps to pursue. Are you able to, to quantify the benefit? Maybe uh, how, how much of your, your sales you can attribute to, uh, to the new ways of, of doing business? Eventually we should be able to, unfortunately given the long sales cycle that we operate under, it, it's too early to be able to do that. But yeah, at, at a certain point in time, we should be able to say, okay, this lead came through MakeSpace, it was given to this rep, and it led to this sale. We absolutely should be able to quantify that over time. Okay, and then similarly with, uh, you've got some new partners, new, new dealers. Are you able to give us a sense of, of how much progress uh, they are making, maybe how much of a, a contribution they're making to your, your sales pipeline? It is early days. We are doing a, a great job onboarding them. They also have uh, the headwinds of uh, the pandemic, and um, it can also, <clears throat> excuse me, be uh, be difficult to get traction. Um, for instance, in a commercial market like New York, it has been largely shut down through the um, uh, through the spring and into the end of the summer. Um, it, our sense is is that they will acclimate at least twice as quickly as partners historically, if not more. Okay, uh, thanks. And then uh, moving to the new plant in South Carolina. So you're making progress there. Uh, can you remind us what, what's the schedule for bringing that online and, and maybe talk to us about how you'll integrate that plant into uh, your operations? And in, in the event that activity levels are, are unchanged, are, are you going to be able to, to flex the, uh, the other operations without driving the costs up uh, too much in, in the near term? So to answer your first question, we're expecting it to come on and it come online in the first half of the year. Um, we will balance. I also need to point out um, it is a chromocoat tile plant, meaning painted tiles, which is about 70% of our volume. So there's a 30% of our typical product mix that that plant's not going to be able to address at least initially. Um, we will look to first rationalize based on geography um, to reduce freight costs and then ramp up from there. 
and our expectation is if uh, activity, activity levels stay where they are currently, we will um, flex our existing operation. Um, unclear if it would be a, a, a direct one-to-one -one, uh, offset or how it would uh, how it would compare, but uh, no, we would anticipate flexing our current uh, facility to a certain extent to accommodate the added capacity. Okay, thanks. I'll, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you, sir. Your next question will come from the line of Craig Palm from Craig Hallen Capital. Your line is now live. Go ahead, please. Hey guys, this is actually uh, Danny Egrich on for Greg today. Hi Danny. Hey there, how are you? Good. Um, I guess, uh, thanks for the color on the October trends. Um, is there just anything more, um, any color on the market pop pipeline over the next couple quarters? You know, any certain geographic weakness or particular end markets uh, you want to get out there? Um. I don't know necessarily so. I mean, I can, I'm happy to share what we're seeing it, with our uh, partners and our, our uh, clients and how they're thinking about things and how that plays out. Uh, there's obviously a lot going on. There's a U.S. election that hasn't been settled. Um, obviously, 2020 is a year that everybody would like to forget. Um, people are watching when treatments come in uh, for the uh, coronavirus when viruses get rolled out in any substance. And what we're seeing uh, consistently is companies trying to juggle um, that and, um, and pace their activities accordingly. The one thing that I will highlight that's very different from past commercial construction downturns, where typically it's business cycle driven, and so it impacts basically all sectors, as you guys obviously have seen, this is very um, bimodal. There are some sectors of the economy that are in depression and uh, and just we wouldn't take the time to call on. And there are others that actually are doing better. And so part of what we'll be doing from a strategic marketing and a sales tactic standpoint is obviously spending time with those companies that have the financial wherewithal and, and where the pandemic is actually causing them to grow uh, to spend time driving sales with them rather than uh, than with anybody who's been really adversely hurt. So it's, you know, talent-intensive uh, businesses and, and companies like that. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, I guess moving on to these kind of COVID kiosks that you guys launched, I mean, what can you say about the market opportunity for that and, and any additional color on maybe how you're bringing these solutions to market? Um, it's early days to really quantify. The interest level has been significant, um, but it's hard to quantify what that will translate into uh, into sales. Um, we're marketing it several different ways. We've got a marketing campaign that we've kicked off. We're working through our core partner network and our sales force. Um, we are deploying our uh, strategic um, account group. I am, frankly, um, helping to sell these with larger uh, with larger clients, and then the partner that we mentioned that uh, helped design them, they also are integrally involved in the in the sales effort. So it's basically all hands on deck, uh, working to sell these solutions. All right, great. And then uh, last one for me, um, I guess, just curious. I know you added that drywall partner. Um, I guess this past summer. I'm curious if, if you're going after more non-core partners like that. Is, is that part of the strategy? Potentially. We want to see how that plays out. 
um, and, uh, and use it as a test case. We've got a handful of general contractors that, um, that are distribution partners. Um, so depending upon how that rolls out, we very well may, uh, may do more of that in the future, which you have to see. Okay, uh, great. That's all from you guys. Thanks. Thank you, sir. And at this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question will come from the line of Josh Wilson from Raymond James. Your line is now live. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Kevin and Jeff. Thanks for taking my questions. Good morning. morning. Uh, on the large projects in healthcare, were those completely delivered in the quarter, or is there still some left on those? Uh, I think uh, those were, were largely uh, completed in the quarter. We may have a little bit of uh, punch list and follow, but they were largely completed in the quarter. And what does your pipeline look like for large projects going forward? You know, I don't know that we have really gotten into that um, to the level of detail that I think your question is, is really seeking. Um, I think it's reflective of kind of the comments that I made earlier, which is it's a very unsettled time. Uh, I guess to give a little bit of additional color, what we are seeing is the quoting level has been fairly substantial. There's a lot of activity, a lot of what we're doing across our organization with the sales force, with the marketing, with um, our strategic account approach has generated uh, an enormous amount of activity uh, and, and reasonably significant leads. The question is whether and when those will translate into orders and sales. And because of uh, everything that's going on in the broader uh, economy and, um, and political environment, that timing is uncertain. Okay, that makes sense. And then as we think about your, your cash needs going forward, can you give us a sense of what you think CapEx will be in the fourth quarter and in 2021? Sure, yeah, it's Jeff here. Uh, you know, as, as we look at uh, CapEx for uh, Q4, uh, it's going to be around uh, 2.5 to uh, $3 million as we, um, as we finish off the, uh, the um, Carolina, the, the, next, the next phase of the Carolina um, payment stream, uh, as well as uh, our software development costs that, uh, uh, that we incur on a normal basis, which tend to be in that million-dollar range. Um, as we look at uh, as we look at next year, uh, it is it is probably at similar levels to what we have this year. Uh, as we continue to um, uh, build out our uh, Dirt Experience Centers, finish off our uh, PATH facility, and uh, uh, do the um, uh, do our normal software development uh, uh, enhancements that we do. Got it. Good luck with the next quarter. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And again, at this time, I would like to remind everyone, if you would like to ask a question, you can press star 1 on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile for further more questions. All right, presenters, I'm seeing no further questions on the queue. I would like to hand the call over back to Mr. Kevin O'Meara for closing remarks. Thank you, operator. Before closing, I'd like to again thank our tremendous employees and partners who continue to demonstrate resiliency and commitment in the face of extraordinary circumstances. Their dedication to DIRT and our collective mission has propelled our organization forward in innumerable ways this year, and they are the foundation of our future success. Thanks for joining us today. 
Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, presenters. And again, thank you, everyone, for participating. This concludes today's conference. You may now disconnect. Stay safe and have a lovely day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.